Dear Diary, Making the decision to immigrate to Calgary felt like I was placing an Amazon order for freedom, endless possibilities, social security, and a beautiful world of seamlessly integrated multiculturalism. Only instead of autofilling my credit card information, clicking buy now and receiving my package the next day, I spent months filling out paperwork and acquiring various documentations. And I spent years waiting for my visa. And when my metaphorical package finally did arrive, it wasn't exactly what I ordered. We're Onya and Tomi, and on Diary of a Niger Immigrant, we're talking about what happens after you buy that one-way ticket. We'll chat with guests and hear their immigration stories. We'll commiserate, celebrate wins, and gossip about recent microaggressions. Buckle up, y'all. This is part two of mine and Oni's conversation. If you missed part one, be sure to check that out first and then join us back here. All right, let's get started. Black people are included in everything that they do. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like that was good for my sense of identity mm-hmm. and my confidence and all of that. So, right. Yeah. Okay, interesting. We talk about, or at least I often think about identity and self sense of self as such a like solo portfolio I suppose mm. just something that is really cultivated within mm. and while I think that's true I just can't think of a situation in which my identity hasn't been in either question. you know like well either like again heavily informed by or completely defined by my external surroundings and Mm. while yes i know that like ultimately self-love self-acceptance all of those things are really the foundation for you know a strong sense of self and identity and that does come from within it's just in no way an isolated experience it's 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 such a i i don't know like while i think it can be um it, it is very internal i just feel like our surroundings play such a key part um, of how we like understand ourselves and how we ground ourselves. And it's like, it's interesting to hear you talk about going like this shift from, you know, coming from Nigeria here and, you know, being just like a person, a regular person to coming Mm -hmm. and being a person with an accent or being, you know, a black person or being the only black person in a room or Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's so funny because I have the opposite experience in so many ways Mm. where a lot of my identity I I realized was coming from being the only black person from in a room was coming from this knowledge of I was always going to be different. I was always going to stand out to the point where when I started being in spaces with more black people, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what to do with myself because my like my calling card or like this thing that used to always be like the go to or mine, at least I was always going to be like the only black person in the room. Mm -hmm. At least there was always something that was going to be special about me in that Mm -hmm. way. Then going into more and more spaces where I was surrounded by more black people, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. this is interesting that like I didn't think that that was part of how I viewed myself. I didn't think that that was in the mix, but then I realized it totally was. And so like, even when we talk about like university experiences and stuff like that, like my entire program, my undergrad, I was the only black person. 
Um, actually, that's not true. I, I wasn't, but in terms of like my entire cohort from beginning to end, mm-hmm. I like pretty much was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, going into my master's program, which was like, you know, I did that a few years later, but there were six black people in my program. And I know that sounds small, but that blew me away. It was a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. And it was a cohort of like, maybe 40 something so i was like honestly that was a lot i was absolutely shocked by that Mm. and i was like oh like this is weird this is weird being in like a context like this and not Mm. being the only black person and so i'm just like it's so interesting once again how for better or worse those positions that we're in and how society views us and how that informs us even if we've taken it and and channeled it for good, even if we see it in a positive way, I'm just like, I don't see how that can not affect how we understand ourselves. You know what I mean? I understand. So now I'm curious mm-hmm. about like with everything. Because you you when you you were you you weren't born here, but right? You were born here, right? Yeah, um not in Calgary, but yeah, in Canada. Yeah, in yeah. Canada. But there's something that people always say that kids don't see color. So how were oh, you able true. to identify, oh, that's not true. It's not true. Okay. They do. I mean, if if they say kids, like infants don't. Yeah. <laughs> but they, I'm also pretty sure they're like colorblind too. But like like legitimately. But um, no, <laughs> kids, kids do. Yeah. They absolutely do. I probably heard my first like racist comment when I was like three, four. So Did you know what it was when you heard it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, it was very, <laughs> it was very, like, kids definitely see. And, like, yes, it's not, it's not um, an inherent thing, obviously. It's not, like, a biological, like, mm. you know, real, um, like, evo- what am I trying to say? Like, a, you know, anthropological, like, evolutionary, like, difference. It's not mm. actually something that's innate. Mm-hmm. It's definitely learned. So I think maybe that's what people mean when they say yeah. like kids don't see colors. Like yeah. it's something you yeah. have to learn, yeah. which is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But kids learn quick. And, exactly. and so I'm like, yeah, it's definitely by the time they're socializing, mm-hmm. most concepts, most, you know, social constructions, they've learned at that point. And I think like they build. It takes a while. It takes a while for kids to, for example, care about the social construct of like gender or like care. it takes a, those kind of layer layer on. It takes a while for them to pick up certain things. Mm-hmm. But I think um, race is a big one and they pick it up like pretty, pretty early, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apart from being the only black kid around you and seeing that, oh, all of a sudden there are so many, what else has informed your sense of identity and how has that actually affected you and made you or shaped you to who you are right now? Yeah, I think so like surroundings is definitely a big one. So this idea of like like you already said, like, you know, being the only black kid in a room, like that was a really big one. Um, my family, that was a huge one and that really like messed me up later because mm. I feel like I was always referred to in a collective. Um, especially with my sisters. What does that mean? So the three of us were kind of really seen as like a unit. And so people always just called us like the Jelly Girls. Like that was how we were kind of defined mm. as. So it was very rare when I, it was a, a pretty like rare occurrence for me to feel like somebody was engaging with me specifically or someone knew me mm. personally or, you know, somebody 
wanted or was referring to me in a specific way that was like very very like rare um my name has always been a big one i always joke that i answer to joy grace tommy tony I, I answer to so many different names, including Joy and Grace are my sister's names. So I answer to my sister's names because people could never tell us apart. So oh. the idea like that, people have always just like, you know, said my name really weird. So I'll answer to like any variation of that. Mm-hmm. I have felt very like the, this, I, this idea or this concept of like being known and being known personally. So someone calling me by my name or someone knowing or identifying traits about me, like not traits about the Ajelli girls, but traits about me, that has always been like such a powerful and like intimate experience for me. Cause it's just, I just never felt like Sorry. known or seen. And so <laughs> I was like, why? Um, uh, I've never felt like, yeah, like known or seen. So I feel like that was a big piece of it is growing up around my family, feeling like I was, part of like a unit and not really seen as an individual that was a big part of it um and then yeah yeah go ahead no go ahead okay and then i would say the biggest thing honestly that is form informs so much of my identity is um like my insecurities i'm just Mm. i've been so um driven and directed by my insecurities and so everything most of what I get have like get praised for or most of you know my successes or anything that somebody might call like to be like oh yeah this is a a good trait that Tommy has it probably was birthed out of an insecurity and it's probably because I fear that I don't have that thing or I fear that I'm not enough in that category and so I overcompensate like so heavily example um so okay what's an example okay Example, one example is that I grew up always having having body image issues and like from such a young age, that was just such a part of my life um, and always feeling like I wasn't, you know, good enough in in some category. And so that ended up into obviously that, you know, resulted in having like weird body dysmorphia issues and stuff like that also, but ended up also in me like getting into like competitive fitness and that became like a huge part of my life um this idea that no one would ever be able to say I was like unfit or nobody could ever call me this because I would have the receipts to prove it I could show you like Mm. the competitions I've won I could show you this I always had to be able to like have the receipts to prove Mm. um growing up in my family I always felt like the dumb one and I was always just like yes I'm like felt so so dumb always that was like a huge chip on my shoulder and like also growing up like there were so many comments made too just about me and the way I like I carried myself and I people just thought I was dumb and and so that was this heat like it became this deep deep insecurity where I got to the point where like no one thought I was dumb anymore like everyone was over it but it just became like my life's mission where I was like I have to prove this to people it has to be like something that you know yeah i just like have to prove to people so i feel like even just like going hard in my like academic journey that had to be something where i could have a receipt to prove like Mm. i'm not dumb i'm smart like here it is it always had to be something um and then yeah i feel like those are probably the biggest insecurities i think and then in general there's this 
very like holistic insecurity that I feel like every insecurity kind of comes down to of like you were already saying just like not being enough and so the idea of somehow being like undeniable has been so important to me always growing up like I have to get it just goes back to receipts I need receipts I need data to prove so that nobody can say I'm not x nobody can say I'm not good enough nobody can say whatever mm. and so of every every time like you know an award or an acknowledgement or an accolade or anything like that comes through it's like okay that's so exciting and then it's just like okay but someone could discredit that because x or someone could say i only got that because of this so i need to get the next you one get self-sabotaging and it just yeah it became the thing where i was like oh i had to have that realization where i was like these will never be good enough like there is literally no award or no like and or yeah no acknowledgement that i could get that would make me feel good enough like i swear to god i could win a nobel prize today mm -hmm. and i would still feel like a dumbass mm -hmm. like i'm just like it's just mm -hmm. it's just so deeply ingrained to the point where like i mean yeah i'm obviously like not that hung up on it anymore but in terms of what i've built my life around and that foundation of like how i've seen myself and how i've positioned myself it's all been so informed with this idea of like, I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to feel good enough, you know? And so I don't know in terms, yeah, I think those, those pieces, those insecurities are the only thing other than my location and, and my proximity to whiteness. Um, those are the things that have probably informed my sense of self the most mm, that's interesting so would you say if if you were not born in canada and you were born in nigeria mm -hmm. do you think that still would have been something that you would have struggled with um the the intelligence thing yes the being known and being seen no Hmm. And then obviously the other piece, which we like, I talked a lot about in my episode, but that piece of like finding a sense of belonging mm -hmm. and really just wanting to understand where I fit and all of that stuff. I don't think that would be a play either. Um, I think I was always destined to feel dumb. <laughs> like, I'm, And I think that's a very, um, I feel like the pursuit of some sort of, um, academic stamp of approval is just a very Nigerian experience that I, I would have felt I gonna anywhere I was, yeah. you know, so. I was going to say that because one thing is Nigerian parents always, we always take education above every other thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but it just feels like <clears throat> regardless of how you were, even as a child, mm -hmm. even if you were one of those who struggled with being enough intellectually, mm -hmm when you become a parent you want to push your child to be way more than mm -hmm. whom you are and maybe that's be but one thing we haven't really realized and understood is nobody cares about like when you become yourself and you're grown and you you're wh whoever you are mm -hmm. nobody would care about how much a's you got mm -hmm. in in junior high mm -hmm. or in elementary nobody's right. gonna care about that right but then 
where, like we just grow up and then we forget and then we start to push our kids yeah to become way more and then we project that sense of self and which leads to self-sabotaging or feeling like i'm not enough or mm-hmm. just putting putting ourselves down yeah more than we should because like everybody everybody cannot be the same thing mm-hmm. right <clears throat> When my child, like he's still in kindergarten, but when he first started, I remember my son is very good in math, mm-hmm. and he he started to read by at four. Mm-hmm. So wow. like he at four he could count one to one hundred and he could wow. do simple addition. Mm-hmm. That's just like whom who he is as a person, and like he went to Montessori's and all of that. And it's not like we pushed him. I know we gave him everything he needed to get to, but we didn't push him like that. And this is something that he has, Mm -hmm. he's gifted with. But he goes to kindergarten and they're asking him to do one to 10. Mm -hmm. And if he isn't interested in doing one to 10, because he just feels like I'm bored, Mm -hmm. this isn't enough. And then they're asking him to paint and draw and he's unable to draw. And then the teacher tells him that drawing is a life skill. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... If a child doesn't know how to draw, how is it? There are so many other things he's good in. Yeah. Why not harness those things he's good in? Why are we always hell-bent on those things a child isn't good in doing? Mm-hmm. So, like, I could be in school and I, maybe I'm not. Like, I can remember elementary. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was one of the very, I wouldn't classify myself as one of the most intelligent. And so many people, so many things could have led to that it mm-hmm. could be because my childhood was very was just a lot mm-hmm. and not having my dad close close by and everything like everything my family had to do like I was born with a silver spoon and then I lost the spoon something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so like I had a very 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 like my childhood wasn't the most rosy one mm-hmm. and sometimes it also play had a play in my sense sense of identity because I'm yeah. just like okay I was one of those kids who would go to school with a new backpack or mm. a new book, like those kind of things yeah. that kids always used to use in classifying each other. Yeah. And then all of a sudden my shoe is yeah. already opening and I'm, my mom is unable to change it yeah. because we don't have, right? So like those things. And then I see some people who are friends with some people. And I'm just like, okay, this person used to be my friend, mm. but this person isn't my friend anymore because... I don't look a certain way. Yeah. So those things also had that. So even grow like as a a full grown woman. Mm-hmm. When I had like I was there sometimes like I would be in a relationship and I'll get jilted and I'm just like okay maybe this person left me because the other girl is from a well-to-do family mm. and my family isn't so well-to-do. Yeah, those feel It doesn't those go kinda, away. Even it doesn't though you go know, away, like, even though you it. know. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, like, growing up, I wasn't the high flyers in class. Yeah. But right now, I like I pride myself to say that I can go into anywhere and I can represent. And, like, even though, like, in this society, that's different because yeah. then you start to doubt yourself here. But I'm, so, like, I, I pride myself. People will look at me as one of the most intelligent people. And I would look at you in that same light. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like looking at yourself in the way, maybe because you didn't pass a math t- test mm-hmm. when you were five. Mm-hmm. Or maybe <laughs> it doesn't really affect who you exactly. become. 
in like at the but end of the day but it affects yeah. your mental like it exactly. affects you mentally because then you start to have those sound self-doubt and you tell yourself a story about yourself exactly yeah, and exactly those stories are so powerful so even if powerful. you have so much evidence to contradict that story mm. it's just so easy to sit in this thing of like yeah this literally like you said being like i failed a math test when i was five and exactly. that is so irrelevant to Exactly, but somehow it's still there. Foundational to Mm -hmm. who you are, which is really, really crazy. Yeah. At the end of every episode, we ask our guests, um, you know, what's something that you now looking back on your journey? What's something that you would have done differently, or what's something that you wish you would wish you would have known before buying that one way ticket? And I'm curious to know, after everything that we've talked about, how identity is so informed or can be so informed by our outside world yet you know this this podcast this show is all about changing our world you know it's all about you know buying that one way ticket picking up and moving so what's something that maybe advice that you would have from somebody who is on their immigration journey or starting their immigration journey mm-hmm. um what advice would you give to someone to either hold on to them the, their sense of self or to you know be open to growing or evolving their sense of self mm-hmm. um so that's one piece of it or you could speak to what's something that you think would have helped you um specifically during your immigration journey to it's a, it's hard i don't even want to say to hold on to your sense of self because i don't know if that's necessarily the goal our mm-hmm. sense of self will change and will evolve yeah. and i think that's totally fine um, but I guess, you know, to preserve a, a strong sense of identity or to, you know, have a strong sense of identity. What's something that you either, you know, wish you had known or advice that you would give for someone specifically who is immigrating? It's it's actually hard to give someone an advice in that in that sense, because like we 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 rightly discussed before everything shapes it Mm -hmm. even your childhood and like the foundation of everything so if it's someone if it's a person who has always had that sense of doubt from one thing or the other it would somehow (laughs) come come into play right yeah but i would just say that just it's your journey Mm -hmm. and you have to go through it Mm. no other person can leave it for you but just always remember that you would all like nothing can change whom you who you are, mm. and those things have shaped you into becoming the person you are. So enjoy your today, mm. and forget try and forget about. It might be hard, but try and forget about those foundational things that might have might have put a dent in the way you see yourself, mm. and try and look at who you are right now, your accomplishments, how far you've come, what you're able to do, your abilities. Even though sometimes our abilities are put into doubt because of the setting and things around us and things that surround us, but just try and hold on to, and look at like look at that thing that you're achieving mm. and just see yourself as, okay, I have this and that's something in the bag. Mm. And also like so many other people could be wishing to be where you are mm. and they are not. So just enjoy it and be who you are. I would also have an advice for some like an African parents mm-hmm. who maybe t- might immigrate or 
and my because we just have that thing about pushing our kids mm. and i wouldn't say that i'm not totally guilty about it because of course you want your kids to be better than you mm-hmm. but we should try not to project our insecurities on our kids mm-hmm. and try to let the kids just be who they are yeah if they're good in something just harness it mm-hmm. you could help them compensate for the others that mm-hmm. they've, they they might be they might not be like so good in you might help to push them but don't bring them down help Mm -hmm. them see more of who they are and that good side of them Mm -hmm. and help them celebrate that more Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day we this whole thing is just generational Mm -hmm. we just keep passing it on and kids grow up and people so many people are just broken in this society and it just tends to just mess with our heads and everything. And I feel like the change starts with us. It starts with our generation. We need to stop. Mm -hmm. We need to start pushing our kids to be better by enjoying and harnessing their God-given talents, like their potential. That thing you see in them, there's no child who doesn't have something that Mm -hmm. you can hold on to and say, okay, this child might not be good in this, but this child is very good in this. Harness that, look at that, Mm -hmm. and celebrate that more than you actually talk about or put down that thing that they are not so good in because mm. every single child like you might have five children and all five children can never be the same mm-hmm. they'll have each have their potential or where they're they, they're good in and where this child might be good in might not be where this child is good in so just try and identify that thing mm-hmm. and try and just celebrate that more yeah and don't just push the child into having that self-doubt mm-hmm. and self-sabotaging so that's yeah. so so true and i feel like the other piece it's so important to remember for anybody who you know if you're changing um if you're dramatically changing your life in any way if you're if you're making a move if you're you know changing a friend group whatever that looks like is that this idea, this sense of self can always be rebuilt. And it's okay mm-hmm. if it gets destroyed because you, you know, are moving away from a, a, a close group of friends. Or it's okay if it gets destroyed because you're um, moving to a new home or you're doing something completely different. It's something that can obvi- and can always be rebuilt because the things that, you know, define us, the things that we are sort of drawn to, they're all things that we're constantly learning and those are always going to evolve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for anybody who does have like childhood memories, everyone obviously like has very different, like varying degrees of childhood memories. But I think it's always really cool to think about anything that you were drawn to or like to do as a child, because to your point, those things are probably very innate and it probably has nothing to do with, you know, a friend group or perception or like a metric of success or something you were trying to gain. It was probably Mm -hmm. just something that like brought you joy. And chances are there are a couple things that like if we all got and I was talking to somebody last night and they were saying like, if we all got amnesia today, we mm-hmm. all lost our memory. Everything le- that's left is the only thing that's real. So, mm. you know, things like, um, you know, your desire to eat, your desire, like a, a, your, a parent-child relationship, like nurturing someone. So like all of those things are real. Mm-hmm. Most things we just made up, you know, things like language, things that are all things that we just like made up. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when it comes to identity and sense of self and how we understand ourselves in a position, and our position in this world, that's all made up too, which means it can all be changed and it can all be evolved. But if you have any early memories, that's a really, really great place to kind of start and to go to, to be like, 
what is just me? What are some things that I like to do as a kid? What are some things that have always brought me joy regardless of where I am? Because those are probably some of the pieces that are just you and have nothing to do with the world around you. Um, but I think that we can't get away from having our identity kind of built up on and informed by the world around us. And so just being open to like letting it change and letting it grow um, and kind of showing ourselves love and compassion throughout those transitions is really the key because, yeah, there will there will always be evolution as long as we continue to like change where we are and, and who we're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. That's very that's a very good point. I also have one last question yes. to ask you. So growing up and going through everything, you have your undergrad, you have your master's. What would be a bias about you that you would actually want to change and put out there and explain to people? Like, I, not like you owe anybody any explanation, but like, just take it as you're telling yourself. This is a bias that shaped who you are and shaped your mindset and everything. And mm. what is the truth and how would you like to to correct that bias? That's interesting. Do you, when you say that, do you mean a bias in terms of a a misconception that I feel that people actually have about me Mm -hmm. or a story that I told myself that's not true? Maybe a a little of both because both are very interesting. What are the things people said of you Mm -hmm. that is untrue? Mm -hmm. A misconception about you that you feel is not true. And then also talking to yourself, what have you thought and, and internalized and told yourself this is who I am yeah and now knowing what you know who do you think you are in this context and how would you want to change that in your mind yeah that's a good question I I feel okay so firstly the you know the perception or the thought that you know people have about me I once had somebody talk saying something about me and they were talking about how like oh, all Tommy cares about is success or something, which was honestly like the craziest thing I've ever heard. I was like, clearly you don't know me at all. But I think that my like image and, and what I put out there, you know, mm-hmm. could, could potentially convey that to, to some people um, that like that's what I care about and that's and that's my goal. I just like, I don't think people understand like, truly how like childlike and I am in the sense of like I actually don't care about like success or whatever like I'm just searching for something you know what I mean and like any time I am you know going for that next achievement or whatever I'm like sure I'm a goal-oriented person like I always will be but anytime I am like going for the next big, big achievement or something happens or I'm celebrating something or I'm taking on that next project or like or whatever Yes, I'm probably like, you know, doing something I'm drawn to and enjoying, hopefully. But if I'm not doing that, I'm probably just fighting a voice that's telling me, like, if you don't take this opportunity, you will never be given another opportunity Mm. again. And if you like if you don't do this big thing or if you don't have, you know, another byline in like a big, a big magazine or if you don't do this or if you don't do that, then people will forget about you Mm. and like you will not be good enough. Like Mm. so this idea that. I am like, you know, cli- constantly climbing and like all I care about is that and like is so untrue because like really, no, I'm just like 
here like everybody else, like fighting my own demons and trying to prove to myself that like I'm good enough and I'm worthy. And so I think that's a really common misconception Mm -hmm. as if like that's actually the goal. Like I'm at my eye is actually on this prize of like success and that's something I value and that's something that I value in other people. Mm -hmm. It's not. When Mm -hmm. I look, the people that I respect the most are people that know themselves and people that like that it shows that they love themselves, people that practice boundaries, people that have self-confidence. That's who I admire. It's not Mm -hmm. people with like the most accolades or whatever. So I think people often think that like, that's my goal. I'm like, no, 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 it's it's not. I'm Mm -hmm. literally just trying to prove to myself that I'm worthy and I know I can't with like, with external things. Um, But that's what you see. Like, you know, that image, that's that's what's happening behind the scenes. Mm. So I think that's a big common misconception in terms of how I'm often perceived. I think that just kind of dovetails right into the story that I've told myself, the story that I've told myself of this idea that, like, I have something to prove. And, you know, there there's something I think, I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to like love when we talk about being enough, like enough for what? Or when I talk about being worthy, like worthy of what? It really all comes down to like love. And I think that's the story that I tell myself of is like love is something to be earned. And somehow in some way I haven't earned it yet. And so there's a piece there that there's always a piece there of like, okay, you need to like work harder. You need to earn more you need to get there and and then you'll feel whole or and then you'll feel enough or and then you'll you'll feel worthy so I think that's the misconception that's the story that I've been telling myself and I know that that alternate story is you know like sitting in the quiet and like holding myself in the silence and in the quiet and like showing myself that love um and I think while I like to think that I'm like I'm getting there every day like I'm really getting there I see it pop up like you know every day and every little thing anytime I say no to something or I say yes to something that I should have said no to I'm like okay that there it is mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm still trying to earn something I'm still trying to prove it um I have this thought and this fantasy that like the second I turn 30 it's all going to change. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't wait. I hear 30 is amazing. It's and amazing. I hear it just only so good, good things. I cannot <laughs> wait till 30. Everybody is like, 30 is yeah. awesome. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't wait. So I'm like, yeah, next summer, look out. Like, you won't even recognize me. <laughs> I'm like, I will just be so sound. I will be so like, oh, I'll be so like self-assured. It'll be amazing. My boundaries will be like, everywhere like, well, you won't even be able to get to me um so yeah what about you though what about i know you're like those last questions but i do want to hear you answer what is a myth or a misconception you feel like people have of you and what is a false story that you've told yourself i don't even know how to ask answer that question well you're the one who asked it, yeah so, i know so. but i'm just like where if i was what else i don't know <laughs> So I don't know, like, I feel like people, when people see me, I don't know. I really don't know. I feel like I I would like to hear the misconception people have. People have of you? But I'm always that girl that, like, everywhere I find myself, I'm always that girl that people look at and they're like, oh, gosh. They're like, 
I feel like it has actually changed. Mm-hmm. So maybe from uni, mm-hmm. I would say people would look at me and think I have everything all together mm-hmm. or like I'm someone who doesn't lose sleep mm-hmm. or something like that or that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also even here, because it's different here, I feel like people might, when people first see me, they just don't expect, one person asked me just this week someone asked me so where are you i know you live in canada but where are you originally from i'm like i'm from nigeria and she goes oh but you speak english mm-hmm. i'm like of course i speak english so mm-hmm. like that when people see me here they see a black woman they don't see a woman who is capable Mm-hmm. And then when I finally proved that I'm capable, um, I then they find it then feels like okay they don't feel like I'm capable enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really it's kind of confusing, mm-hmm. right? But from my undergrad days, people would see me and say, "Oh, she's very, she looks good, and she's very she looks like someone who is especially like." I remember when I first when in my first year of uni and cuz I'm someone who likes to dress nice and all of that. So people just thought I was dumb mm. until the first exams and I had all A's and people were like, "What?" <laughs> so then like I have to prove myself because of the way I look, mm-hmm. right? People don't really see me as like even when I graduated from university and I was like I grad like I was number number three and someone was like you number three how <laughs> and then I showed the person like that because it was arranged according to and the person was like eh, that that doesn't mean they have, you I want to see the number three and I was like why do you think mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so like people just look at you and they're like okay she's not so intelligent because she is a because in Nigeria I would be Oh, God, I don't know how to say this without sounding very prideful. But anyway, like, yeah, people just used to see me like a pretty face, but nothing more. Mm -hmm. Right. But here, I don't even get the sense of having a pretty face. (laughs) I just feel like I'm just... (laughs) I feel like she's not even a pretty face. She's not enough mentally. It's just... Oh my god, it's that's just, so funny. Yeah, no, just, I that makes total it's sense. It's just that's, weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Oh my god. So <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question, that but makes I'm a still. Lot of sense. I think you I'm still it. yet to understand what mm-hmm. people because I always have this doubt in my head that this people doubt me, mm. and then I try to prove, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna show you that I can yeah, do this, yeah. and then I do it, right? But there's no accolade, and there's right. nothing coming from me. I'm like, okay. And there's then you get caught up in exactly. that constant mode of like, always trying to prove something, and exactly. then you do it, and you're like, for what? Like, exactly. You know, they yeah. weren't gonna, you know, show yeah. me the respect or yeah. whatever anyway. And then sometimes it also leads to lack of motivation. I'm just like, mm, I don't even want to do point? anything. What's the point, right? Yeah. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm tired. Like today I was just telling my husband, I was like, do you know what I feel like having? I feel like ha- going on maternity leave without a baby. Mm. I don't want, 
a baby. Right. But I just want one year of not doing anything because I feel like yes. I've worked so much and I'm tired of working. I'm tired of trying to prove myself. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. I'm tired of trying to pay bills, but at the same time, trying to be myself yeah. and prove that I'm enough. Yeah. Right. It's so, exhausting. It's exhausting. I have this thought that comes, and this is how I know I'm on the edge of burnout, and I need to like take some time off. And it, I have. I don't have that often. Maybe like. I don't know, whatever. But I, I, this is when I know it's getting really bad. I'm usually driving to like meet up with a friend or go to an appointment or something. And I just look at all the cars around me and I'm like, I really, I would love to get into a car accident. That's not so bad that it like, you know, really hurts me, but bad enough that it puts me in the hospital for two weeks and no one can contact me and all my appointments. Like, I just want to be on my back for like for yeah, like two too. weeks to a month. And that's when I know I'm like, okay, there's a problem. Like, when I start yeah. like willing a car accident, mm-hmm. I need to take some time. But I'm like, I totally get that maternity leave thing. Like, that sounds yeah. awesome. Yes. I would love Without that. a baby, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we do not, do not have time for the actual baby. We just need a time off. Okay, yeah. before we wrap, what is a story that you feel like you might be selling? Even though, obviously... We're growing. We're learning. What's a story that like maybe it's just like still there. You get little pieces of it that comes up that you're like, yeah, that's that thing from childhood or that's that thing from wherever. Um, a false story that you are still kind of telling yourself. Okay. I think I can answer that question. <laughs> so sometimes I tell myself that I'm not deserving of whatever I have. Mm. I'm not deserving of love. Mm-hmm. I'm not deserving of real friendship. Mm-hmm. And I'm not deserving of just being being successful. Mm. Right? Especially like, okay, I think this whole thing just emanates from being an only child. So I'm an only child. I don't I do not I do I do not have siblings. I've always been alone and all that. So it just feels like I don't know if this could be kind of generational or something that just came from because um, growing up, I remember, oh, my God, I don't know how to shape this without making my mom look bad. But my mom is a wonderful person. Like, mm-hmm. I love my mom today. And I always wish every day that I could get even if it's one second again with her. Mm-hmm. But growing up, like because I was an only child, my mom was the first of 10 children Mm. and all her siblings like they pop very easily right right but she was the only one who had just one child Mm. and then there was something like maybe i i do something and then she's scolding me i'm like mommy please you know i'm an only child my mom's like what you're that child that refused to bring another child so then Mm. it just feels like i am not deserving of having people around me Mm. and then like I said before, growing up, being burned with a silver spoon and then losing the spoon and then not having as many friends like that. And my mom always used to just seclude me from everybody else because she's like, no, this child is spoiled. I don't want her to influence you or something like that. So, like, I was always in the house alone. No friends, just toys. I'm just like, I just want to mix. Like, I love to see the way people... In fact, there was one... I remember telling my mom to take me off the school bus because I wanted to walk with other kids. Like, mm. I wanted to walk home. Okay. But going on the school bus might be seen, seen as luxury, but I just wanted to take the shortcuts with other kids yeah. and be able to laugh with other kids. I just wanted to have friends mm-hmm. right around me. So 
I just always told myself that I'm probably not not good enough mm. to have friends. And that's the reason why every time, like, I don't know, it might be true and it might not be true, but when I'm in a relationship and then it goes south, I'm just like, oh God, this might sound bad. But I just always try to find out who the person is that this person ended up with because then it feels like, oh, you left me because maybe my family isn't rich or like I'm not well to do, I'm not enough or something like that. Because I, like, I'm a fine girl. And that, right? <laughs> like, why would you leave all that, of this? That's so interesting. Yeah. At least you know how to make sense of. Yeah. Maybe, even kinda. if it's so not true. Yeah. I, it's like, I don't even know if it's true or not. And that's the reason why. Because well, not. True. I am just, just that friend that I am that person, that friend who would go the extra mile for anybody who calls themselves my or who I call my friend. Yeah. I would do anything. Like, I'm just that person. I'm a ride or die kind of girl. I'm a girl's girl. Mm -hmm. But I always find out that every time I do that for my friends, when it's my turn, I don't get anything in mm. return. So, like, my like my birthday just passed and mm -hmm. oh when this airs it'll be a it'll long be time like ago. months but okay. happy birthday but we'll cut that yeah <laughs> no, yeah so my last birthday I would refer yeah <laughs> so during my last birthday some group of friends like that I I just met here like mm -hmm. I've not known them so long they came to my house and they surprised me and that mm. meant so much to yeah. me like it went a long way. Like, it did something to me. Yeah. And that's because it's something I'm not used to. It's new. It's new. I'm just like, what? Like, and I started telling myself, I don't deserve you guys because mm. it's not something I'm used to. It's not, I'm not used to being shown love. Yeah. Sometimes I keep telling myself, I'm not deserving of love. Mm -hmm. And the only love that, that I hold so close to my heart, that means the world to me. I just feel like I don't know how I deserve this is the love from my kids. Mm. Sometimes when my kids just come out and my kids just have a way of, they, they're very expressive of how they feel about me. They're like, mommy, I love you so much. Mm. My son and I always have this thing where we're like, no, I love you more than you love me. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, no, I, you can't love me more. So like we have that thing and it means something to me. And it might just seem like nothing to any other person. But to me, it's so much because I'm just, I just don't feel, and Okay, like the during my own my episode, I talked about the only person who really loved me, my mom. Mm -hmm. She's the only person, and then life takes her away from me. Mm -hmm. so I'm just like, what is in this life? Mm -hmm. I am not deserving of love mm -hmm. because the only person who loved me, life took away from me, and that's why every time I keep, I have that fear of losing people mm -hmm. because people always leave. I lose my friends, I lose relationships, I lose my mom mm -hmm. so like i just have that fear of and mm. i just try to guard it but oh my god i'm like choking up <laughs> i mean i'm yeah. not a professional therapist but <laughs> but to me i'm like this makes a lot of sense everything that you're describing and this feeling of like feeling like you're not deserving of love having a really great strong example of somebody who loved who loves you and having them taken from you it just confirms that story of like yeah clearly like i don't deserve this it makes tons of sense that you would completely unknowingly 
maybe be drawn to people who weren't going to show you the same type of love that you mm-hmm. showed them because we we gravitate towards people that will confirm the stories that we tell ourselves. And so it makes sense that you would have found yourselves with friends and friend groups who you would pour so much into and they wouldn't give that to you back. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not like you're going out of your way to find people who aren't going to love you the way you need to be loved. But we do that. We're gravitated. We gravitate towards people who are, will kind of like confirm our story. Mm-hmm. And it's a way that we can continuously make sense of ourselves and continuously make sense of the world even if it's harmful to us it's like it makes sense you're like yeah i don't deserve this i you know i don't deserve love i don't deserve like a community like this so it's something that makes sense so when i hear you describe like having this relationship with your kids and then being in a position where at your last birthday you were shown love in a way that felt really meaningful to you in a way that it felt like the people in your life were showing up for you i'm like that's so awesome because it shows that like maybe that story is starting to shift a little bit for you and you're allowing yourself. Yeah, I'm like, it sounds like you're allowing yourself to be surrounded by people who can show you that love as opposed to, and then, you know, the more you'll see it, the more you'll realize like, yeah, of course I deserve this. Of course I deserve to be loved. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard and it's really hard to like actually get there. It is, especially because even at the back of my mind, I still have that fear mm-hmm. that they might get taken away from yeah. me or they might not last. Like, yeah. everything might not last. Mm-hmm. I just have that fear at the back of my mind. Yeah. So, like, I have that fear of losing people, losing things, or not, like, I just have that fear because I have always thought myself not deserving of love. Mm-hmm. So, but hopefully I <laughs> I don't know if this is a therapy thing, but... No, I'm literally like, okay, well, we could do another hour on this. <laughs> um, No, I really appreciate you sharing that because I feel like that's something that, like, so, so many of us feel and so many people feel. And I think people feel, like, really, like, weaker or shameful or something like that for feeling like that. Mm-hmm. And... But I just think it's it's just a reality for so many people and it makes tons of sense and it only takes that like that that self work and that self love to be able to then put yourself in situations where you can receive love and be like, Yeah, of mm. course. Like, yes, I deserve this I and deserve this. it's not gonna go away and like, you know, being confident of that, but that's like really, really hard to do. Um, okay. Wow, I'm like, let's take a breath. <laughs> That was a lot. Um, But yeah, that was really good. I really liked this conversation. And I feel like (laughs) we dove into so many areas. And as always, I feel like this could have gone on for like two more hours. And we'll Mm -hmm. have to pick this up again. And because I'm like, I have so many more questions. Obviously, I have a million more questions. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, I'm like, we'll go on. But that's why you need to join us again for our next episode. Because we'll have more conversations like these um, with just the two of us. And also with guests. And just like explore other deep and meaningful themes so thank you so much for listening thank you and, and <laughs> i hope i hope we've trusted you guys with our stories yeah, yeah, and yeah. enough and yeah and it it doesn't backfire <laughs> <laughs> hold our stories with care hold oh care gosh, we were vulnerable yeah um okay well thanks for listening and we will i always say see you next time but we won't see you next time we will we'll catch you next time. Yep. Yeah. We'll we'll catch you next time. So bye. Diary of a Niger Immigrant is presented by Afros in the City in collaboration with Through Oni's Lens. 
You can keep up with us on Instagram by following Afros in the City, following Through Oni's Lens, and of course, following Diary of a Niger Immigrant. Once you've done all that, just keep listening. Rate us, review us, love us, root for us. Until next time. <laughs>